Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Hey, Ben, how you doing today, brother? Uh, doing pretty well. I'm enjoying the spring weather. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm not enjoying the spring weather. Here in Maryland, it's uh, like in the 40s today as we record. Uh, it uh, went below freezing last night, which was fun. And late it will. Yeah, it was like 39 this morning uh, when I was getting ready, but my in-laws in Pennsylvania have snow, so... <laughs> uh-huh. The uh, it, it is strange weather that the whole nation has been having lately. So, uh, but uh, you know, uh, the speaking of kind of local and some Maryland weather, actually, we have an opportunity to talk to somebody uh, uh, who's had an impact on churches in my area, Maryland, and who has some really helpful thoughts about uh, about local churches beyond just kind of our local church. Uh, we actually have an opportunity to talk to Larry Steen on our podcast today, and who I will introduce in a moment, but. But actually, Larry Steen, uh, he is the director of missions for the Mid-Maryland Baptist Association, and he was my boss at Westminster Baptist Church for quite a while. So it's uh, particularly special to have that on. And he was a good boss to work with, I'll assure you. So uh, anyway, so. Welcome, well, Larry. Thank you. Good yeah. to be here. Yes. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast, Larry. So uh, we wanted to talk to you, guys, you uh, Larry, about... Um, the role of associations and how that factors into our families and how it factors even next generation's ministries. Because I think that's something that is often not thought about. You know, it's something that I, I think most families probably don't know what uh, exists beyond their local church. Would you Would you guys agree with that, Ben and Larry? I, I, I would. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy for us to you know, out of sight, out of mind when it comes to other churches. Uh, we get so involved and so busy in our own church work that we forget the bigger picture of the body of Christ around the world. That's unfortunate. So, yeah. Anyway, so uh, with all that said and kind of introduction given, I, I want to ask you, uh, Larry, if you could tell us about uh, your ministry and how you serve churches. What exactly do you do? Uh, Well, again, thank you, uh, Tony, for uh, having me uh, here today. I'm excited to be with you all. I am the uh, Director of Missions of the Mid-Maryland Baptist Association, and our association consists of 55 churches. Uh, Interestingly enough, about 20 of those are ethnic churches, which means that they are churches uh, that worship in uh, languages other than English. And so we have primarily Korean churches, in our ethnic churches, but we have a couple of Burmese, a couple of Hispanic, Chinese church, Nigerian church. And uh, our churches are primarily in uh, a few counties here in central Maryland, uh, just north of Washington, D.C., and up to the Pennsyl- up to and including the Pennsylvania line. We have a couple of churches in southern Pennsylvania, south central Pennsylvania. Um, associations uh, are, are fellowships of autonomous Baptist congregations, and uh, we work together for the advancement of the gospel. We believe we're, we're more effective working together than working apart. And uh, so when you ask, what do I do as the DOM, um, 
as director of missions, uh, certainly we support one another, the, the, the churches and the pastors, we, don't, we support one another in prayer. Um, we sponsor pastor fellowships where we encourage our pastors get together just for encouragement, prayer for one another, training of one another, iron sharpening iron. Um, we assist one another in mission projects, mission trips, work, work together in planting new churches, uh, helping promote church health. Uh, I can help a church with a health uh, inventory and talk about how churches can be healthier. That We uh, give counsel to churches during times of church transition, such as uh, uh, when they're without a pastor, uh, help them with the pastor search process. Unfortunately, sometimes churches are involved in conflict, and so we can mediate conflict within the church. Uh, I, I understand, too, that a lot of your listeners are not Baptists, and I wanted to take a moment to discuss a little bit about how um, associations among Baptists came to be and how um, Baptists came to be, uh, unlike, say, um, Presbyterians or Lutherans, Methodists. Uh, Baptists don't have any founding father figures like you know, John Calvin or Martin Luther or Wesley. Uh, rather, um, back in the 1600s, early 1600s, there were kind of multiple Baptist movements uh, in various places. What they had in common was the idea of uh, baptism, not of infants, but baptism of uh those who could pr publicly profess faith in the Lord. And uh, they had uh, the common belief in baptism by immersion. And so these multiple Baptist groups over time began to form fellowships of associated churches, uh, which we today call associations. And these were voluntary associations. Each church was locally autonomous. That pattern still exists pretty much today. And um, the recognition was that uh, one church is not going to reach the whole world. We need one another. We need uh, to know that we're not alone in this great mission to share the gospel with all the world. And so uh, we gathered together to encourage one another and to work together. It's not a hierarchical structure. Uh, I'm not a bishop. I don't have any authority or uh, over the local churches. I uh, advise, consult, pray for, encourage, counsel, but I don't rule over or command. And so it's a very loose organization, quite frankly, but it has worked together for many years. And uh, over the years, our associations of churches have joined together with larger associations while still maintaining our autonomy. And so um, we've developed over the years with four basic organizations uh, within Baptist life, the church being the foundational organization, uh, the base of, of all of our work, but then the associations, which, uh, again, I'm with the Mid-Maryland Association, so associations are usually churches in just a couple of three counties, maybe, uh, in a given area. Then we move uh, to a state convention level where churches across an entire state uh, uh, associate together for common purposes. So we're with the uh, Maryland-Delaware 
Baptist Convention, and then we have our national body, which is the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, which is kind of a misnomer since we have Southern Baptist churches yeah. in all 50 states in Canada and above the Arctic Circle in Alaska. So, um, But we, we have those four different bodies. So um, uh, again, my role is on the associational level, and it's a pleasure working together with pastors and churches and trying to encourage and strengthen them. Amen. So you don't get a special hat with that position, I assume, right? No, I don't, but I do have a shirt with a monogram that says Mid-Maryland Association, so I get that. <laughs> the bishop's miter would, would be nice, though. <laughs> no reverse collar, no, nothing like that. <laughs> it's a shame. So I guess, I mean, do you ever work with Kevin Smith, uh, the director of the Maryland-Delaware Association? Uh, absolutely. He, he is actually with the Baptist Convention of Maryland, De- Delaware. So he's in that next level up from, from, from me. And uh, Dr. Okay. Smith is a good friend of mine. We've had lunch together many times together. And again, all of these different organizations, churches, associations, state convention, national convention, we all try to work together for the common purposes. But we found that some cooperation at different levels it's 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 more efficient to work at different levels with certain cooperation so for instance uh, when it comes to the national level our international mission board takes care of all of our overseas missionaries we we have seminaries on the national level that we support uh, most churches in our Baptist convention Baptist life are relatively small, 60, 70, 80, 100 members. It's not really feasible for them to have full-blown academically accredited seminaries. And so we find that on this national level, it's best to work with with our seminaries while other things, such as pastors' conferences, are best done on the associational level. That's good. Very good. All right. Well, Larry, you, you alluded to this earlier on, but uh, about things just being kind of out of sight, out of mind. But maybe you could flesh that out a little bit more uh, about why do you think Christian families tend not to, to think beyond their own local church and just how they're serving in that context? For a lot of folks, uh, partner churches, sister churches, as we say, are out of church, out of, out of sight, out of mind. And uh, you know, basically because week in and week out, Christians are working with the ch- people within their own churches, but seldom uh, regularly meeting with um, folks in other churches. Uh, at most, maybe they're driving by that local church on their way to work, but uh, uh, they, they just don't see one another each week. And I think we have to work at the idea of churches uh, cooperating together uh, uh, Christ calls his disciples to minister in their Jerusalem and in their Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the world. And sometimes it's very easy to ignore everything but our Jerusalem. And so um, I think one of my roles is to just help remind folks that we are part of something much bigger than the local church. And uh, I think one of the questions um, 
that uh, you all were planning to ask me, which we might get to a little later, but I want to touch on it here, is kind of the, the theological concept of, of, of churches walking, working together. And I think over in 1 Corinthians 12, when it talks about uh, the church is the body of Christ, um, we have that whole imagery of uh, the church built with many parts, with one head, all of us working together in unity. Every part is needed. Uh, no part should feel that it is separate from the remainder, from the other part of the body. Sometimes we forget and think of the body of church only in, in terms of local churches. We we kind of talk about uh, how God provides different giftedness within our local churches to minister to our communities, etc. But there's only one body of Christ, and it is a worldwide body of Christ. And it, it uh, the, the different parts of the body of Christ are not only individual but groups of individuals, congregations all over the world that are working together. They're all needed. We need to support one another, be in unity with one another. Uh, we need to strengthen one another and all come under the head of Christ. And so um, I think it's just very important for Christians to have the concept that we are a part of something much bigger than our local congregations, even though we spend most of our time uh, living in the environment of our local congregations. That's good. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, now, what are the benefits specifically of local churches of like faith and practice partnering together? Oh my, there are many. <laughs> um, first of all, let's just talk about the spiritual benefits of it. Uh, there, there's very practical benefits. But there's uh, spiritual benefits. We're praying for one another. Just the opportunity to be praying for one another. Uh, uh, I, I, I was in a group of pastors that met regularly on Thursdays, and one of the pastors in particular made it a point every Sunday morning in his pastoral prayer and his worship service to pray for the churches that were represented in that Thursday morning uh, meeting. And uh, other churches began to do the same. And you know, just the thought that uh, I, I could be preaching on a Sunday morning and know that there was a church in my community that was praying for me by name mm. on that day was, was, was powerful. So there's the spiritual benefit we're praying for one another. I think partnering together also strengthens our witness to the world. Um, when I share with folks that I'm working with a series of churches, and there's Koreans and Burmese and Hispanics and English-speaking churches all working together and fellowshipping with one another and sharing the gospel together. Um, there's something about that that people says, say, wow, you know, uh, Christ Jesus is what unifies us. And and uh, that overcomes division of race and nationality, language. Uh, it, it, it brings to the forefront our witness to the world that, that uh, in what other context do you see uh, folks from different nationalities and languages coming together in unity? To see that happening in, in Christian life, I think, is a powerful witness to our world today that uh, there is something here that maybe the, the world needs to hear and wants to know more about. Other benefits, uh, 
one of the things we do as we partner together is have uh, pastor fellowships. And um, serving as a pastor is a very rewarding vocation and calling, but it is also a very difficult one and often a very lonely one. And, you know, our, our churches are filled with people. Our doctrine is, you know, all of us are sinners. We come short of the glory of God. Even in church life, there is conflict, difficulty, um, sometimes even pettiness, and many times pastors are the brunt of that. Um, we hear church members who are dissatisfied, not being fed, this, that, and the other. Just to be able to come together and to bring pastors together, to be praying for one another, to encourage one another, to share with one another in a very safe place. Boy, I had a rough week this week with deacon so-and-so or, or, or church member so-and-so, or there was a death of a pillar of the church this week that really uh, will leave a big gaping hole in our congregation. To be, just to be able to gather together and to support and encourage one another, if, if we're able to strengthen pastors in those meetings, we're going to be able to strengthen the churches that they minister to. And we do other things. We, we have training opportunities between the different levels of our uh, Baptist life, whether it's the associational state convention, national level. There are training opportunities, webinars, seminars, uh, conferences, and so on, where, again, we can strengthen and encourage church leaders and pastors. So those benefits are just uh, uh, really hard to measure but they are very valuable. Um, in our, our denominational life, when we talk about uh, benefits, there are some very practical benefits as well. Um, I, I mentioned seminaries a little while ago. It's not, uh, it's not really feasible for a church of 60 people to have a fully accredited uh, theological no. <laughs> education system uh, available to them. And so when churches partner together to do such things as that, uh, we have six seminaries with thousands of students in those seminaries uh, studying uh, and preparing for, for ministry. That is an advantage of partnership. Same way with our International Mission Board, uh, our missionary support. I think Baptists have one of the best missionary support systems of any denomination around. And uh, just the ability to uh, train uh, missionaries and, and, and pastors through our seminaries, the vetting that they go through when it comes to uh, missions work, and the fact that we are able to support missionaries in such a simple way in, uh, through, our, uh, through our denomination. Um, our missionaries don't have to come home and raise their own support. Uh, we, we want missionaries who do missionary work, and we do the, the support for them. We, we take care of the support for them. And what a blessing that is. I, I, I've talked to independent missionaries as well as SBC miss, missionaries, and they say what a blessing it is to know that you have a denomination behind you that's going to support you, and we don't have to be fundraisers. We just need to be about uh -huh. the business of discipling folks. So those are some examples 
of uh, the benefits of, of, of partnering together. I, I could share more, but I think those are really significant. Yes, yeah, I would agree. Well, so Larry, how can this, because we focus a lot on next generation ministries, but how can this particularly benefit those kinds of ministries looking to, you know, missionaries to the future? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the partnering together that we've talked about already, if churches partnering together are able to help strengthen pastors and church leaders, uh, that's going to be a benefit to next generations of Christians as they're growing up in those churches that they, that they are uh, a part of. Um, uh, so uh, in one sense, there's some indirect benefit to young people, children, youth, and so on, that if we can strengthen churches, if we can strengthen pastors, if we can encourage church leaders, that's going to create a better environment for, within the churches in which they grow. But more uh, specific than that, I think such partnership reinforces that biblical principle of the body of Christ. Uh, children and young people need to hear that the gospel is a worldwide undertaking that is commissioned by, by our Lord. They, they need to grow up with uh, the understanding that it is more than just the local church. Uh, who, who are going to be the missionaries of the next generation? Uh, uh, they need to hear stories of missionaries past and present uh, they need to uh, understand how uh, uh, men and women are dedicating their lives to sharing the gospel uh, or supporting others who do. I have talked with many missionaries, and many of them from childhood grew up in churches where missionaries were able to come visit to at the churches or they they studied about foreign lands and they learned about how uh, Christians there were ministering to to the population and reaching people for Jesus Christ um, next our next generation needs to hear a message where Christianity is not just about ourselves getting saved and going to heaven but we are called by the mighty God, to share our faith with a lost world, not just our, our own neighborhood, but a lost world. Um, I think um, young people can be uh, challenged uh, to those directions and, you know, with the hope that uh, maybe uh, as they get a little older, we, you know, we might not send six-year-olds to Haiti on a mission trip, but 16-year-olds, you know, uh, uh, being involved in a mission trip is, is something very possible. And one of our partnerships, part of our partnership arrangement with churches is that we work together on mission trips, encouraging uh, people to go on such trips to get a taste of what it's like to to be on mission, maybe with the intent that's maybe with the uh, the byproduct that um, uh, young people might consider that you know they're they might hear God's calling to be involved in that. I think we want 
our young people to be raised with the idea that they are on mission, that, again, Christianity is not just about them getting saved. It is about them following the Lord in mission to a lost world. And uh, if I could just mention something very practical to uh, parents <laughs> at this point, um, I, I would encourage parents to encourage their churches. M m many churches provide, for instance, offering envelopes to people, you know, to 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 give toward the mission of the church. I, w I would encourage uh, parents to encourage their churches to give offering envelopes to their little children. And I, I want to just share a personal story with this. Uh, Again, Tony always talks about you know how old I am. <laughs> this this story may date me just a little bit, but uh, when I was a little kid, five six years old, my church gave me a a box of offering envelopes, a box for every year, you know, offering envelopes to support the mission of the church, to give to the church, and I don't know what a box of offering envelopes cost back in early 1950s, <clears throat> but, uh, but uh, I'm sure it was more than a dollar a box. But at that time, my allowance from my dad was 20 cents a week. And I'd put my two cents, two pennies, in the offering each week. And I was support, and, and I was told that by doing that, I was helping to support not only the work of our church, but missionaries overseas and seminaries and so on. And the church lost money that year on those offering envelopes because you know I put in my dollar and four cents that year, maybe a little bit more for a special offering, and the offering envelopes probably cost more than that. But that was one of the best investments the church ever made because it taught me the concept of tithing at age six, which carried on to age 10 and age 16 when I got my first job cleaning a barber shop down the street and when I got my job at Montgomery Ward selling paint and when I got married and when my wife was raised in the same church and had that same training. And so tithing became a part of our lives and it was a recognition that we were helping to support the mission and ministry of the church not only locally but all around the world and i think that is a very one practical way to have parents train their children their young people that there is a mission of this church that even the, their children can be a part of and and to tell them you know and 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 Tell them more than just this is just supporting the church. This is this is supporting a pastor who is sharing the gospel, a Sunday Sunday school literature. This is this is supporting missionaries overseas. This is supporting uh, seminaries. Uh, help children learn that there is a larger picture other than the local church than just the local church. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I like the the big vision there. Yeah, one thing I want to add, you know, on that, I think it was uh, was really neat experience for our family with that was uh, I'm actually on the uh, the uh, I'm Mission Council for our association. I am the uh, vice moderator, so I keep all the vice in check. So, <laughs> right, <Larry? laughs> or maybe I add some to it. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, 
So um, last year, we because of COVID, we had to do it online uh, on Zoom. The annual meeting was on yes. uh, Zoom. Yeah, and uh, my you know our oldest oldest child kind of sat through with that for a while and uh maybe even the whole thing i'm trying to remember i think the whole thing she sat with me and uh and she really she thought it was neat we had a long talk afterwards about you know how god is uh, god has given her brothers and sisters in christ uh throughout you know this area and how they're represented in those little faces on the screen so <laughs> neat that's neat all right larry how can next generation ministry serve other churches through association involvement then this was a challenging question for me because, uh, quite frankly, my, I, I admit, most of our associational partnership is done on an adult level, um, and you've challenged me to think a little bit more critically about how um, younger generations can be challenged to work through our association of churches. I mean, obviously, within our local churches, there are multitudes of way to, ways to get our younger generations involved in ministry and so on. But... Um, I can share with you a few ways that we have in the past uh, 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 done this, and then one idea that may be a little bit off the wall, but uh, uh, that I think could be really exciting. Um, in the past, a lot of the times our partnerships in the association have worked not so much directly with the next generation as they've been to work with the leaders of those who work with the next generation. So to train them, uh, have, have conferences of different kinds, uh, webinars, uh, and so on, training workers on how to better minister through children and, and youth. Um, we uh, One of the things that we do not have in our association right now, but have in times past, had um, not just pastors getting together in fellowship groups, but youth ministers getting together in fellowship groups where they could talk about the unique situations that they are dealing with uh, in their ministries and maybe even deal with some of the unique situations they have with their pastors that they might not want their pastors in the same room <laughs> to be talking about. But, uh, 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 you know, most of the time in the past, our partnerships among churches have dealt with those who lead uh, next generation ministries, uh, vacation Bible school clinics and so on uh, to go over such materials as that. Um, obviously, we've also talked about how as youth get older, there's the opportunity for uh, them to be involved in, uh, in mission projects and you know, I, I really think this is exciting. One of the things we do is we, we provide some scholarships for, for young people who uh, want to be involved in mission projects. So if they're an active member of one of our churches in our association and they uh, want to go on a mission project and they are recommended by their pastor, which is very important, and we expect a, a very clear recommendation from a pastor, uh, we will give a scholarship to help with the cost of those mission projects. And those can be life-changing. Um, I've had granddaughters go on mission trips uh, to Haiti and uh, uh, just you know, to, to, to realize uh, that they can be involved in, in that mission work and to see the needs overseas 
those are uh, those are powerful opportunities. And um, uh, so partnering together uh, can help make that possible, uh, especially when you have a lot of small churches. Not every church can have a mission trip to every place in the world. And so we really encourage partnership from the standpoint that uh, Westminster Church, where I'm a member, uh, we, we concentrate on Haiti, but the church down the road, Friendship Baptist Church, concentrates on Mexico, and a church across the way concentrates on Dominican Republic. And uh, I, I've shared up front, if there's somebody in one of the other churches in our association that speaks uh, Haitian Creole, we would love for them to come with us to Haiti. While we've got folks who speak Spanish, rather than going to Haiti, why don't they go with Friendship Church down to, to Mexico and use their, their language ability? So that is a way that we can partner together. Um, can, thinking a little outside the box, though, um, when we talk about these partnerships, um, a number of our ethnic churches meet in uh, English-speaking churches. A number of our ethnic churches are, are, are small. They might be 20, 25 members, can't afford a, a church building of their own, meet with, uh, in, in another church facility. Those kind of interactions in those churches are really amazing to see how, uh, again, uh, young people can see the gospel crossing those barriers of, of, of language and nationality. When a church is not in that situation, if they're not sharing a facility with an ethnic church, I think it would be a great opportunity for youth groups of uh, primarily white congregations to um, consider uh, having a Sunday where they go and visit in an ethnic congregation. I'll call ahead first. Make sure you get a tra there's a translator there. Don't don't surprise you know a 20 member ethnic church with 20 young people coming. Uh -huh. But <laughs> what a wonderful opportunity to see folks worship in a different language to know that again we're a part of something bigger than our local congregation that we are partnering together with people who are very different than us, but what we share in common is a faith in Jesus Christ. And I, I, um, so one of the challenges of the question that you asked me is, you know, I'm going to make that suggestion to churches. Why not uh, partner together with some of our ethnic churches and have, their, have your young people's group, prepare them for it, but uh, set up a time to consider visiting one of these other churches and and expanding their uh, understanding of uh, the gospel as it's in in relation to uh, God's call to reach the entire world for Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, I like those ideas. Um, well, just as a follow up to that, maybe briefly. When do you think you even expand that some of those things past your denomination? I mean, you're obviously working with Southern Baptist churches, right. um, but when would you extend that net past those who have, uh, say, they have a similar faith? They would, mm -hmm. they would preach the gospel, but maybe they disagree on some other things. Sure. Um, when do you think that that's fitting? Um, I, I think there are always some areas of commonality that we can work together on, um, you know, especially churches that have somewhat similar theology. You know, there, there, are, there are 
some fundamental issues of theology that are foundational, which we, we, we cannot compromise on, but others, you know, we can. And, uh, you know, I, I think when it comes to uh, common issues, uh, e- e- even, even with denominations where we might have some really fundamental theological differences, when it comes to things like feeding the hungry, our Roman Catholic brothers. We have a lot of theological differences, but you know, we are in agreement on thing on issues like abortion and uh, homosexuality and so on. And, and and so we can join together in, in common, uh, you know, in common cause if we're dealing with uh, those kinds of ministries that deal with those specific kinds of issues. But when it comes to um, I, I think it's it, it's important for us to try to work together as best we can with our with Christian brothers, uh, in whatever way we can without compromising our fundamental doctrinal issues. Uh, you know, Tony is far more Calvinistic than I am, for instance. <laughs> you know, and so. Uh, uh, but but you know we worked in the same church together and, and and you know some of those doctrinal issues were not as as important as a common faith in the Lord Jesus Christ the need for salvation by grace through faith for all men and so um, yeah I I believe we do work together where we can uh, I'm in a in pastors groups I have a number of pastors who are. Bible church pastors, you know, they're not Baptists. Um, and, you know, anybody that, you know, a- agrees with, you know, salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and sal- Christ alone, you know, we can work with. Yeah, that, that's good. I, um, I think like what you're saying, the, the kind of work that you're doing could, could determine who that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um you know, maybe it's the Bible churches guys don't know they're Baptists, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we are autonomous churches within our, our Baptist <laughs> church life. And so, you know, they talk about being independent Baptist churches. And I say, well, we're independent, too. <laughs> it's true. Well, so how could families uh, become more aware uh, of their church's broader uh church connections. I mean, you mentioned about with the envelopes, just it, mm-hmm. you as a child and coming to see that it wasn't just impacting your local church, it had greater reach. Uh, but any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it, it's not just an issue for parents to help their children better understand the partnerships that we have with one another. I think Parents need to be a better, uh, be better at understanding this as well, so that they can share it with their children. Sad to say, I think a, a lot of adults in our uh, associations, uh, a Baptist association, don't know what the work of the association is. We haven't always gotten the message out really well. And I would imagine that would probably be the same for other denominational groups, Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, and so on, that a lot of the churches don't know what kind of ministries are involved with some of the the 
you know, the, the larger denominational uh, uh, agencies. And so uh, I think the start for many parents is to learn themselves about what uh, these partnerships entail and then to um, make sure that, the, the, that their, their children uh, know them. So how do they do that? Well, we've got websites that tell, us, tell about our work. Um, we have an annual meeting of our association. Tony, you mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. We have an annual meeting that kind of outlines what we we uh, uh, do each year and, and plans for the year. And I would encourage parents to be informed and for parents to be looking for ways that their local congregation can better partner with other churches. For instance, you know, is there a community in your your church area of folks that speak a different language we could work together and perhaps uh finding someone to lead a a group within a your uh, uh an english-speaking congregation to uh have a separate service for a spanish-speaking group or or, or uh, a Korean group, you know, uh, what are the demographics of your community? If you're uh, in a community that's 50% English speaking and 50% everything else, maybe your church needs to consider uh, beginning a, a, a language group ministry in your church, which could be anything from uh, an actual worship service to uh, offering classes uh, of uh, uh, ESL, English as a second language. So uh, I, I encourage uh, parents to to um, become more understanding of those partnerships and uh, uh, encourage their their young people to to uh, participate in that in whatever way they might. Those are good ideas. How might seeing God's local work as being beyond just the doors of your local church actually be an encouragement to kids, do you think, Larry? I think we all want to be a part of something bigger. I've never been involved, for instance, even growing up in Baltimore, just outside of Baltimore City, uh, I've never fully understood uh, the whole mindset, for instance, of gangs in Baltimore City, but part of the, the mindset I, I do understand is the idea that they're, they're looking for something beyond themselves, something bigger than themselves, and uh, a loyalty to a, a group in some way. And sometimes that's misdirected into the areas of gangs and so on in the cities, but it can be directed in a positive way to seeing we, we have uh, been given a, an amazing worldwide commission by the Lord Jesus Christ to, to reach uh, the Lord, uh, to reach the world for, for him. And uh, I think there's a tremendous um, enthusiasm among many young people today who've been brought up in the church and who have taken, taken church life seriously uh, to, to, to be drawn into uh, challenges of, of ministry, uh, even beyond my generation. Uh, 
um, you know, there, there are young people today who are willing to go to places like Iran uh, where it's difficult to be a Christian, where it can be dangerous to be a Christian, and yet um, they have been challenged because they know that they are something, part of something far bigger than uh, just uh, going to church every Sunday. And uh, I, I think we want to challenge our, our young people with that bigger picture of uh, we have a worldwide calling. God loves people in nations which we consider unfriendly to us. He loves people in Russia. He loves people in China. He loves people in Iran. They need to hear the gospel. And sometimes we don't create a big enough challenge to people. We, we try to soft-pedal Christianity in such a way that it leads to minimal commitment. And I think if we challenge them to something big, they are more likely to attempt something big. Yeah, definitely so. Okay. So, Larry, how can families pray together uh, for these church partners or the, the other churches that they might find through involvement with the local association or uh, beyond? Well, the first step is for families to pray together. Uh, <laughs> most I mean, do we really believe that most of our families are praying together regularly? I, I would hope that is the case, but the first step is to get families praying together, okay? Uh, once families start praying together, uh, the, the, um, praying, praying for these partnerships, the more we learn about them, the more I think it will become natural to be praying about about these partnerships. You know, the more I work with churches, uh, uh, just had a church that has been without a pastor for a couple, uh, uh, over a year, and um, they just called a new pastor. I just helped that church uh, with their 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 pastor search situation and. You know, what an opportunity that was to praise the Lord and pray. So the, the more we learn about these partnerships, assuming that, pe that, 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 that parents are praying together with their children, I think the more they learn about these kinds of partnerships, the more that prayer will become more natural uh, about, uh, for, for, those, for those partnerships. Also, part of the, uh, the um, way of learning about it. I mentioned website you know our, our association has a website and most associations do most denominations have some sort of website that talks about the ministries of their particular denominations uh, which are would be information gathering situations I, I'd encourage individual churches to uh, ask uh, denominational leaders who are involved in some of those ministries come speak to their churches. How, how would we find out about a, a ministry, uh, how, how better to find out about a ministry than to have uh, someone who is actually involved in it sharing testimony of what's happened? So um, uh, there is a huge disaster relief uh, ministry in in uh, Baptist circles. Um, most people would be surprised to know that uh, behind the American Red Cross, uh, Southern Baptist 
uh, disaster relief is the next largest group in the country mm-hmm. uh, uh, involved in those ministries. And so um, uh, why not, uh, as, a, as church leaders, have folks who are involved in those ministries from time to time as guest speakers at their church to share something of those ministries and to share with how uh, church members can become involved? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Larry, for joining us for this discussion about involvement uh, in God's work beyond our local churches. Uh, I think this is should be a help to any parents listening, and I strongly would encourage you, no matter what denomination you are in, uh, no matter what part of the country you're in, find out what connections your church has beyond your local church and plug in and pray for those who are in roles like uh, Larry Steens here and pray for Larry as well as uh, he does a lot of good work for the Lord in this capacity. So. I, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to share. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. We appreciate it. So. Yes. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.